Good morning, Christ community. It's great to see y'all here this morning. Um, I was just informed that this is like spring break week. How many of y'all have kids at spring break? Have spring break this week? Okay, a lot of you. Okay, great. I figured the rest of them are down in Florida at the beach. You know, I'm, I'm from the Florida Panhandle, and during spring break, we know when the Alabama folks are coming. We know when the Tennessee folks are coming. We know when the Georgia folks are coming for spring break. And so it's great to have y'all here on this first Sunday of spring break. What an honor and a privilege it is to be here with y'all this morning. Um, anytime I get a chance to be with you, um, it's an honor for me. It's a privilege for me. Um, my family attended this church back in um, 2005, 2006, 2007, and we were involved here for a time. So it's great to always reconnect with folks um, through the years, through this opportunity. And I want to thank Keith and Donna for um, having me come again and be with y'all. It's great to be with you. Um, we're going to talk this morning. You have an outline that's there. I wanted to mention that to you and to take it out. And as always, the way I kind of view the outline is this. If, you, um, if anything comes to your mind during this message, please write it down. Anything. Spiritual, not spiritual, whatever it might be. I want to encourage you to write it down. Get your mind thinking as we talk together this morning um, about some keys for understanding God's plan, okay? Some keys for understanding God's plan. Um, before we get started this morning, I want to ask you, let's, let's bow our heads in prayer and, and let's give this to God, okay? Father, thank you so much for the opportunity anytime that I get to share um, what I feel like you're doing in my own life, in the life of my family, in the world that I live in, um, three hours away from here. Thank you, God, for that. I cherish that. And this morning, God, as we talk about you, as we share about you, as we look at this story together, I just ask that, that you would speak to us in any way unique to all the situations represented here in this room. I pray, God, that you would use this in any way, but most importantly, God, I ask that as we leave this place today and we go off into our own worlds in the greater Montgomery area, I pray that the impact for your kingdom by what we learn would take place because that's where it's at and that's the most important thing for we pray these things in the strong name of Jesus our Savior and Lord amen okay keys to understanding God's plan wouldn't it be great picture this with me wouldn't it be great if we knew what God's plan was for our life wouldn't that be awesome wouldn't it be great that when we decided that we were going to be a Christ follower, that we, we, we've decided, God, I'm going to follow you with my life. And you know the phrase, God loves you and has a wonderful plan for your life. Wouldn't it be great if God said, okay, now I want you to go download this app called God's Plan for Today. And I want you to look at it every single day. And I want you to, and it'll tell you what my plan is. Wouldn't that be great? I can tell you in my own life, I wish that would happen. God's plan, there seems sometimes, you know, he says he loves us, he says he has a wonderful plan for our life, but then there's this enigma here between us and living every day and his plan. That, that the most devout followers of Christ, the, men, the people who follow Jesus the closest, still struggle with what his plan is for their life. 
And the people who aren't as close to God and don't walk as close to God struggle with what, their, what his plan is for their life. This past week, two instances happened to me. I'm sitting there watching my boys practice baseball, and a guy walks over to me, and he coached basketball with me earlier. He said, man, he said, pray for me. I said, what's going on, man? He said, well, I know my, my company's going under, the one I work for, and I'm going to have to start looking for another job. And I got to tell you, I'm trying to discern God's plan in the whole thing. He said last time, he, he, he just, it was crazy trying to follow his plan on where I was supposed to be and what I was supposed to do. So would you pray for me on that? I said, man, I'd be glad to pray with you on that. Fast forward to that evening. Another guy comes up to me. Lost his job. Had a huge job for a company all around the world. He was flying everywhere. Lost his job. Had, had severance pay coming in, so he had some time to find another job. So he, I'd been praying with him in partnership over some opportunities that were all over the world. He'd been flying all over the place for interviews. Big deal kind of jobs. And he came up to me and said, hey man, hey man, I just right now got an offer. I said, really? Is it the one over there in Europe? Is it one over there in China? Where, where? He said, no, it's in Marietta. I said, where's that? Oh, oh, that's right. It's right down the road, Marietta. That's right. And, and, and he said, yeah, man, he said, and, and he explained to me the whole thing. And get this, get this. It was exactly what he had told me two months earlier that he was really felt he was called to do, which was work for a nonprofit company. He said, I'm going to take a cut in salary, but I really don't care. And, and I just feel like this is God's plan. God's plan is so hard to figure out. And then God's plan is so easy to figure out. Now, what I've been doing, I spoke here in October of last year. I spoke here in December of last year. And I'm speaking here this morning. And if you've noticed, if you keep these outlines, I've kind of been going through the book of John. Last fall, I made a commitment. I told you this, that I was going to spend time in the book of John until I get through it. Just God speak to me in a way you've never spoken to me before in the book of John, okay? I teach classes on this, you know, Sunday school classes and home groups and stuff like that. And, um, but I said, God, I want you to speak to me through the gospel of John more than it's ever happened before. And so what I've done with y'all when I've come is I've, as I've gone through the book of John with you and I, was, and I wanted to share with you the most impactful times in the book of John for me personally, okay? And I had planned on speaking on a certain passage today that had impact on me. And at the last minute, it just wasn't God's plan. So I backed up to speak on another passage that really hit me. So I want to share that with you today, because as we walk through this, if it meant something to me, it'll probably mean something to you as well. Chapter 1 is what I did back in October. We talked about the introduction of John. We went through John the Baptist, all that. Chapter 4 is where we talked about in, in, in December, how to prepare for Christmas, talk about the woman at the well. This morning what I'd like to do is I'd like to talk about John chapter 7. Because let me tell you, I feel like this chapter is transitional. I feel like this chapter um, um, is a transitional chapter in the Gospel of John. I don't think you'll read that anywhere else with people who study John. This has hit me because here is Jesus, and when we go through this, you'll see what I'm talking about. 
The main reason I think this is transitional, especially as we're going to Easter now for next month, we're starting to head into Easter here, is that in this chapter, it all just starts to explode. Jesus, Jesus gets encountered by every type of people group that from chapter 1 to chapter 6, he gets hit with here and there. But chapter 7, it all implodes on him, and he gets hit with everybody. He gets hit with his family. He gets hit with the people he's been influencing. He gets hit with the Pharisees, the religious leaders. And throughout this entire chapter, you see him grumbling back and forth with these people on different things. And hidden, at least for me, hidden deep down in this chapter, for me personally, I found some keys to help me understand God's plan in my life. And I would like to share that with you this morning, okay? So if you have your Bibles, we're having some computer issues. I won't have any slides up on the, on the, on the screen. I had the scripture out there. We're going to walk through it. So what I'd like for you to do is get out your Bibles. And if you have an app, the YouVersion app, go to chapter 7 of John. We're going to look at the version 1 through 18, okay? Now, um, I do the New American Standard version. Actually, 1977 New American Standard Version, because I think that's God's Bible, okay? Now, you NIVers and NLTers and all that stuff, you've heard me say this to you before. That's a cheaper cut, but it's okay. You can look at those all you want to, and, and you'll deal with God on that one day. But, um, but we're going to look at these keys to understanding God's plan, now that I've insulted half of you. Um, <laughs> um, oh, 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 the prayer request that we talked about this morning, everything that has to do in worship today, every Sunday, is God's plan. Look at this with me, okay? Let's look at chapter 7 together. And what I'm going to do is walk through this with you. And when I walk through it, then I'm going to pull out three keys that hit me like a ton of bricks. All right? Let's look at it together. And after these things, Jesus was walking in Galilee. All right? These things meaning the healings, the teachings, the ticking off of religious leaders, um, the dealing with the people, believing and not believing, all the things that are happening and proceeding. Jesus is walking in Galilee. For he was unwilling to walk in Judea because the Jews were seeking to kill him. Yeah, that, that's at the point where I go, yeah, I would not want to be walking somewhere where people are wanting to kill me, right? And so it's obvious he's not in Judea because they were seeking to kill him, all right? So, so, so he's staying away from there right now, and he's in Galilee. Now, what I want you to notice about this chapter as we look at it, look up here at me real quick. What I love about the Gospel of John, if I were a director of movies, I would write my movie based on the Gospel of John. How the scenes flow in and out. You can see the camera opening up, and after these things, Jesus is walking in Galilee. You see, it's like a director's dream, this Gospel is. So think about it as a movie as we're reading this together, okay? Verse 2. Now, the Feast of the Jews, the Feast of Booths, was at hand. Now, what this was was a feast in the Jewish religion where everyone 15 miles out from Jerusalem were required to come in to this feast, okay? And they called the Feast of Booths because it's so cool. They were so important and so, um, so intentional about making you remember your past. So the Feast of Booths was basically where you come into there, into the town, and what you would do is build these portable shelters up everywhere where the ceiling was open so you would see the moon at night and the sun during the day. And the whole purpose of it was to make you um, engage with where they were in the wilderness back so many years ago, to reconnect during those days. So the, so the sh structures had to be 
temporary. They couldn't be permanent. They, could, they had to be a certain type so that you were kind of reliving that, okay? So all these people from 15 miles out are coming into the booths, all right? His brothers, therefore, knowing all of this, they, he, they said to Jesus, now here's the family part of it. Hey, Jesus, depart from here. Go into Judea, even though they're trying to kill you, that your disciples also may behold your works, what you were doing. Because you know, Jesus, no one does anything in secret when he himself seeks to be known publicly. I mean, if you do these things, show yourself to the world. And then verse 5 says, for not even his brothers were believing in Jesus. See, not even his brothers were believing that all the things they had heard about and all the things that had been done, you see, had actually taken place. And so the brothers are basically double-dog daring him. That's what they're doing. Do it, man. Everybody wants to see it. We want to see it, okay? So, so. Oh, 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 and the other reason why is because all the miracles had been done in Galilee. Only one had been done in Jerusalem to this point. Only one. And that was blown away because it was done on the Sabbath. So everybody was, real, everybody was remembering the fact that he'd broken the Sabbath law, not the fact that he actually healed a person, okay? So that, we're in that backdrop. So Jesus then responds to him and says this, my time is not yet at hand, but your time is always opportune. The world cannot hate you, but it hates me because I testify of it that its deeds are evil. Go up to the feast yourselves. Y'all go on. I, I don't go up to this feast because my time has not yet fully come. Now, now, the Bible talks about time in a lot of different ways. Divine time and normal time. This is one of those times where it was a normal time, as in clock. The timing wasn't right yet for him to go, so he was not going to go. All right? So having said these things to him, Jesus stayed in Galilee. Verse 10. But when his brothers had gone up to the feast, then Jesus himself also went up, but not publicly. He went in secret. Hollywood movie. The Jews, therefore, were seeking him at the feast, and they were saying, where is he? They were all coming up to their brothers. Where is he? And there was a lot of grumbling going on um, among the multitudes concerning him. Some were saying, well, he's a good man. And others were saying, no, on the contrary, man, he's leading everybody astray. Yet nobody was speaking openly of him. They were all kind of grumbling. You can hear the rumbling. Can you hear the rumbling of them grumbling about him? But when it was now in the middle of the feast... Jesus went up into the temple and began, and began to preach, and teach, I should say. The Jews, therefore, were marveling. How has this man become so learned, having never been educated? These were the religious people and the normal people. Jesus, therefore, answered them and said, and normal people, I meant to say. Um, Jesus answered them and said, my teaching is not mine, but it's his who sent me. If any man is willing to do his will, he shall know of the teaching, whether it is of God, or whether I speak from myself. He who speaks from himself seeks his own glory. But he who is seeking the glory of the one who sent him, he is true, and there is no unrighteousness in him. Now, I could go on, but from 19 to verse 41, I want you to read this week, and you'll see how from that statement right there begins a clash between all these different people groups. It's incredible what happens, okay? It's kind of cool, so I want you to do that this week. I don't have time this morning to cover that, but what I'd like to do is reveal this morning three things for me that spoke to me about God's plan for my life. The first one is this. Always remember 
that God's timing is perfect. Don't ever try to force God's hand in your life because it's not going to work. It's one of the things I struggle with with what my plan I think should be and what God's plan is for my life. God's timing in our life is always perfect. What he has in store of what's happening around you in your life, all the things, the timing of God is always sovereign. If you have agreed for his plan in your life, if you said, I want your plan for my life, don't force God's hand. Don't do it. That's what the brothers were doing. They were saying, hey, Jesus, I triple dog dare you, man. If you want to be publicly known, if you want people to see things, if you want folks to see God, go down there with us right now and start doing some things. And Jesus kept coming back and saying, my time has not yet come. My time has not yet come. Do y'all struggle with that about God's timing? Or when things don't go like you think God wants them to go or whatever, we tend to freak out. We tend to go, whoa. And we end up forgetting who's in control. Are we in control? Or is God in control? All the prayer requests that Keith listed earlier this morning that we prayed about, that's what we prayed. God, guide the steps of these situations. God, guide our steps in these situations. Make your timing perfect. Make your plan what it should be. Do we really believe those words? Do we really believe that God's timing is perfect? See, it's a struggle, isn't it? I know it is for me. Let me, let me tell you, I was teaching this in class, and I have a, some staff people from the church in, in my class with me, and the orchestra leader raised his hand, and he said, what we're saying here, I'm going to tell you what we're saying here. Here's what we're saying. When you're trying to live out God's plan, Larry Mayo, he's a great guy, great guy, um, good friend of mine. He, he said, what, we're, what, what I believe we're trying to say here in a nutshell, Jeff, is when you think Jesus is going to zig, he zags. When you think Jesus is going to zag, he zigs. Isn't that true? It is so true. Let me give you an example. Kelly and I, we were church planners, and we planted a church. Before we planted a church, we went to all these conferences, and one was the Willow Creek Conference. We called it the Tissue Conference because back then they would get up there and tell how they planted Willow Creek. It was the largest church in the country at that time, and invariably they'd start crying during the talking about it, especially when God would zig when they thought he was going to zag, and God would zag when he thought he was going to zig, and then everyone would start crying, and so Kelly and I would look at each other, okay, we start timing it. You know, here comes the tissues. And they start crying, you know what I'm saying? So we thought, okay, the tissue conference. Well, we get and we start planning our church. We get our core group together. Everything's going great. I want to buy a portable church, one that you can set up and take down in a gym or a YMCA. And we did that for six years. It cost $125,000. I went to all these churches. I was the United Methodist pastor. All these churches trying to raise money. Nobody could really get the vision for what we were doing but three churches, and out of those three churches, I definitely couldn't raise $125,000 for this portable church. I'd planned this big meeting for everybody. We get to the meeting, and instead of announcing we were going to buy this portable church, I had to say we were going to put it on hold because we just didn't have the funds. And I prayed about it. Guess what happened? After the service that morning, the oldest couple in my church came up to me, and they said, Jeff, you know, we've been praying about this. And we believe in the vision 
that we feel like God's given us for this new church plant. My wife and I have decided that we would like to underwrite the cost of the portable church. How much, did, how much is that going to cost? And I went, $125,000. He said, I'll be at the bank in the morning and we'll underwrite it. I got in the car. Kelly said, well, what was that all about? My wife, Kelly, she said, what was that all about? You looked all serious and stuff. And I started telling her the story. And I started looking for tissue. And she said, Willow Creek moment, Willow Creek moment, Willow Creek moment. And I said, shut up and give me some tissue, man. Because I was just, okay. Jesus zigs when you think he's going to zag. His time is always perfect. Second thing, second thing, all right. Always, always be a difference maker. Always be a difference maker. Don't ever in our walk with God treat Jesus with indifference okay that's basically what was going on here with the brothers the brothers say hey you need to do these things God says Jesus says my time has not yet come my time is not yet here and then Jesus says something extremely important here and I'm gonna read it to you since I can't show it it says this my time is not yet at hand but your time is always opportune the world cannot hate you. In other words, when you go to this feast, you're going to blend in. Ain't nobody going to know anything different except you're my brother. You're, it's no big deal. But then he continues and he says, but it hates me, Jesus says, because I testify of it. I make, I'm making a difference for God and these people don't understand it. That its deeds are evil. I'm testifying that, that folks are on the wrong course and, and, and I'm making a difference. You know, Go up to the feast yourselves. I don't go up to this feast because my time is not yet fully come. Okay? Always be a difference maker. Don't ever treat Jesus with indifference in your life. Okay? And that sounds so simple. But when we leave here, do we go into situations in our life? Do we go into situations with people and the work? Everywhere we go, do we go as someone that thinks we're going to blend in with the crowd or someone who's going to be a difference maker? Now, I don't mean in the same way Jesus did because although it might be, you're not going to go around healing people and you're not going to go around causing dissension amongst people, but Jesus' plan for your life and your life and your life and your life is to make a difference in the way he has wired you to make a difference. Okay, let me illustrate this another way. A couple of weeks ago, pastor of the church that I attend, my pastor up there, he did a whole series on difference makers. But he did it under the book of Nehemiah. But he told a story in there I want to share with you. Awesome. Jeff Jackson, great pastor. He, he tells a story about his daughter, who actually was an intern at, um, at, at Disney for a year, the college program there. And I hesitate to even promote that with the movie that's out right now. But, but, um, but anyway, she was there a couple of years back. All right. So she was all excited about working for them and doing the college internship. So she walked in the first day and she said, okay, I'm ready. And they said, great. She said, I'm ready to do whatever. Oh, that's great. She was assigned to the transportation division of Disney. They gave her a clipboard and a, and a stop thing. And they told her to go to one of the parks and stand there and count people as they got off the bus all day long. So she did it all day long. Next day, she came in there and she said, okay, I'm ready. What do you want me to do today? They gave her a clipboard and a clicker, and they told her to go to another park and stand by the boats and count the people getting off the boats. Well, after about two or three days of that, she'd had enough of that. And so she called up the folks, and she said, hey, you know, I don't know what's going on here, but, 
but, you know, I thought I'd be doing something a little better than this. You know, this is kind of crazy. I'm sitting here counting people all day long. I'm happy to do it, she said, but, you know, I thought, so anyway, she goes in the office after about two weeks of this and goes up to the person and said, hey, look, can I just ask you a question about this? I'm happy to do whatever. I'll serve wherever you want me to be. Okay, it's no big deal about that. However, have you got something different for me to do? You know, is there anything, you know, you're paying me good money to count people, you know? Can you tell me what's going on? And the man said, I wish I could. And she said, what do you mean? He said, well, he said that the projects that we work on are known by only a small inner circle of people. And they don't let it get out because they want to build the announcement up so it doesn't get out ahead of the announcement. And so all I can tell you to do is take a clipboard and a clicker and go count people at the bus and go count people at the boat. And so that's what she did. One day, about three or four or five, whatever weeks it was into the program, she walked into the office and she stumbled upon what the project was actually um, going to be. She couldn't believe it. And it was something that was going to happen three or four years down the road that they were doing all this stuff for right now. She call, went home, called the parents. She said, hey, Dad, hey, Mom, you'll never guess. I found out what it was. You will never guess what's up. And, and, and they go, well, tell us. What, what is it? What is it? She says, I can't tell you. She said, but it's about three or four years down the road, and we're doing all these things just so, just so it's going to be, so that everything can work beautifully four years down the road. And do you know for every day of her internship for that whole year, you know what she did? She got a clipboard and a clicker. And she went to the buses and the boats and the buses and the boats and the boats and the buses and the buses and the boats and she counted people. That's all she did. But there was a spring in her step. There was an enthusiasm because she realized that what she was doing was going to make a difference to millions of people that were going to visit this mouse house one day. It changed. It made all the difference in the world for her. Now, now, let me challenge us this morning, me included. The difference that Jesus wants us to make in the world today is something that might affect somebody in a day, in a month, in a year, and ultimately for eternity that we actually get to be a part of at Christ Community Church in Montgomery, Alabama. And there's, there's, there's about a hundred worlds represented here in which Jesus expects us to make a difference for him. But the key is how we view it, not how he views it. Do you think of yourself as a difference maker? You see, she didn't think of one until she realized what was going on. We know what's going on, see. How excited are we to make a difference? It's, a, it's something to really think about. Because if you want to understand what God's plan is, we always have got to be a difference maker. Because that's the key thing God wants us to do in his plan, is to be a difference maker. Okay? Now, the last thing I want to share with you. All right? Write this down. Always focus first on doing his will. On what you know his will is. Okay? And the understanding about God overall will come. The understanding of his plan. The understanding of who God is. If you want to grasp who God is, if you want to see what God's doing, if you want to be a part 
of what God is doing and the plan he has for you, the key thing he wants us to do is focus first on doing his will. The things that we know are his will to do. Being obedient in every area of our life. Striving to do everything we know his will is. And from, it's from doing that will that we learn all the other pieces. I love what he says here. When he gets to the, when he gets to the feast, he starts teaching. Okay, starts teaching. And, um, <laughs> and it blows their mind. And their response is, how can this man, he's never learned anything. He's not done any kind of formal learning. He's never been educated. How can he teach the things he's teaching? How can he do the things he's doing here at this thing? And Jesus answered him, my teaching is not mine, but it's his who sent me. It's God's teaching. If any man is willing to do God's will, his will, then he shall know of the teaching. In other words, he was saying, if you were doing God's will every day, you would know that what I'm saying here is of God. You would be able to grasp what I was saying. You'd be able to see these things of God that I'm teaching in this, in this feast right here, you know? But you're not doing the will of God at all, and so, so I'm coming off as somebody you don't understand. I'm coming off as somebody you want to destroy, which later in the chapter, he starts arguing with them about that, starts getting into it with them about that, you know? Then he contrasts, he who speaks from himself seeks his own glory, but he who is seeking the glory of the one who sent him, he is true, and there is no unrighteousness in him. When we focus on what we know to do as his will, the rest of what's happening with God in our life will come about. We'll be able to see other things. You know, if you're like me, you get worried about everything. You start, well, God, if I do this, what are you going to do there? And if I, you know, I want to grasp these concepts about God all at one time. I want to know, you know, everything. And, and, you know, as I'm doing it, God's saying, no, I want you to do my will. And I will reveal to you why or how or when or what. Great movie. I want to end with a clip, okay? Um, my, my daughter, Sarah, and I... Um, my daughter Sarah and I, we watch classic movies together. Now, classic movies is not Turner classic movies. It's not the movies from the 40s, 50s, and 60s. <clears throat> it's classic. They're movies from the 80s <laughs> and the 70s. <clears throat> so I've been spending a night every week, and we've been watching a different movie. We've watched the Indiana Joneses together, the Star Wars together. We've watched the Top Gun TV version of, of that with her. We've, we've watched the... Um, um, all these different movies. Well, one came up the other night we were watching. It's called The Karate Kid. Y'all know The Karate Kid? Okay, let me, let me, I know y'all never seen it. Let me tell you what about it. So you got Ralph Macchio, and his name is Daniel, and he's, and he's being bullied by these people. He's moving to a new area. He's trying to figure out his life. He's trying to figure out who he is. He's trying to figure out his life. Sound familiar? And so here he is trying to figure out his life. Um, and this is not a spiritual movie, but he's still trying to figure out his life. He runs into a man named Mr. Miyagi who ends up teaching him how to defend himself against the bullies in a very unconventional way. He says to him, okay, I'm going to teach you karate. I want you to take this and wax my floor. Wax on. Say it with me. Wax on, wax off. Wax on, wax off. Okay. And then he, takes, he gives him all this stuff and wants you to wash the cars. He has six, seven cars out there. He's washing the cars, doing it in a particular way. Then he says, I want you to paint my house. And I want you to paint my fence. And he does it in a particular way. All the while, Daniel's going, paint the fence, paint the house, wipe the floor, wipe the floor. And he, then he blows up at Mr. Miyagi. I asked you to teach me how to do this stuff, and you're not teaching me anything. I'm making your house the showplace of the neighborhood. You know what I mean? And, and what's going on here? And then this clip in this movie happens. 
and it, and it explains everything, okay? Watch your monitor up there. That clip has everything about what we're talking about this morning. I love where he says, hi, look me in the eye. In other words, confidently do what I've been telling you to do. God says, confidently do my will. My will, the will you know is mine. Do it. And it will all come together. My plan will all come together. Always look in the eye. Always be confident in what you know God's will is in your life. And, and God, in his perfect timing, always will reveal exactly the entire picture when God's timing is perfect to do it, see? It's a cool thing. It's a great thing. Let me challenge us this morning. Where are you right now in God's plan? Where are you? Okay? Um, we're all in different places with God's plan. Some of us are struggling with some things that, that we need God's plan in. We want to make sure it is God's plan. Some of us... Uh, we can see it pretty evidently. It's all going great, and you're sitting back, you know, just, just coasting kind of a thing. Um, I've never been there, but um, I'm glad that you are. <laughs> but wherever we are, would you agree that it's a great thing that we can ask God to reveal his plan to us? Would you agree that we have a great avenue here this morning to say, God, I want your timing. I want to make a difference for you in my life. I want to do the key thing you want me to do in my life, which is to make a difference for you. God, I, I only want your will in my life. God, I only want, 
I only want what you want. I, I want what I know your will to be. I want to be obedient in all those areas. And as you reveal yourself more to me, it all comes to fruition. Can we go to prayer about that together this morning? Let's pray. Dear Jesus, it, it, is, it is a great time for us to be together this morning. So many uncertainties in the world today. So many uncertainties in the lives that are sitting here this morning. There's so many uncertainties in, in everybody's life, in this whole country, in this whole world. And as Christ followers, we, we, we submit ourselves to your plan for our life. We know you love us. We know you have our best interest at heart. We know you have us in the palm of your hand. We know that you have our interests in mind. And we are so humbly grateful for all you have done so that can happen and that can be true. Thank you for, for your son and what he's done on our behalf and for his resurrected glory that we celebrated Easter coming up. This morning, God, and all the souls that are sitting in this room right now, and all the different things you're doing, and all these difference makers here, I pray, God, that we would know your presence and peace right now in all the situations that are troubling us. I pray, God, that in all the situations that we're happy with, that we rest in that joy because it's not always that way. May you give us a peace this morning about your timing in our lives and how you're working. Would you give us the opportunity for the time is opportune for us to be difference makers for you through Christ's community church. And oh God, reveal to us your will so that we may be faithful to follow it and in your timing reveal to us all the many ways that you're working to grow us, to change us, to be the person that you have called us to be in this life and in this time. We thank you, dear Jesus, for being with us. And we thank you for the opportunities that we have of living this plan out for you. For we pray all these things in the strong name of Jesus, our Lord and Savior. Amen. Let me just encourage y'all. Thank y'all for being here this morning. If you're on spring break, have a great spring break. Enjoy this next week. If you have to go to work during spring break, I'm sorry. Okay, <laughs> I'm sorry. Let me just encourage you in these two ways, all right? If this service means something to you, and it does, I, it means something to me every time I'm here, please invite someone to come with you. Ask God, who would I invite to come with me? And offer to give them a ride. And here's the biggie. Offer to buy them lunch afterwards. Okay? And Crystal's right down the road. Okay? And so you could do that. But y'all have a great week and a great spring break. All right? Take care.